Welcome to Massive Late Fee. And now your hosts, Mark and Carol. Well, hello everyone. Welcome back to Massive Late Fee. My name is Mark. With me as always is my girlfriend, Carol. How are you doing today, Carol? Hey, what's up? Oh, it's been a good week here. It is September 13th, 1997. And, you know, it's it's getting fallish. Fallish? I think it's folly. The new season of televisual programming is coming out. Yeah, and the leaves are changing and it smells nice. All the leaves are brown. Oh, goodness. <laughs> And the sky is gray. Well, see, that doesn't sound pretty at all. Brown. I went for a walk. <laughs> what are you doing? Just shouting uh, the song that my uncle wrote. My dad always said that we were related to John Phillips from the Mamas and the Papas. Uh-huh. What a great celebrity role model to to pick. As a lie, because I'm sure we're not related to Well, him. yeah. I mean, didn't he also say you were related to the guy who invented the Phillips screwdriver? I don't know. Probably. <laughs> anyway, uh, but Buffy the Vampire Slayer is coming out. We've got we're going to have a new episode for season two. Coming I'm so out. excited! Check it out, Buffy Slayer Talk. I cannot wait. Yeah, no, it's going to be good. But speaking of not being able to wait, Carol. Mm-hmm. MTV can't wait. For what? I love MTV. Do you? Uh-huh. Uh, MTV Makeover includes new studio and more Muzak. What do you think of that? Um, I mean, <laughs> that's fine, I guess. Be there or be Times Square. What? That's the opening line of Mike Duffy's article here. Oh, no, Mike Duffy. MTV will be both today when it kicks off programming at its flashy new studio in New York City's famed Times Square. And to inaugurate the new Big Apple Digs, MTV is unveiling one of its periodic schedule makeovers. Market research revealed that cranky MTV viewers think the music channel hasn't had its mojo working for a long time. In other words, too few music videos and not enough music-related programming. Yeah, I mean, that's true. They're doing a lot of other stuff, like we were watching The Real World and everything. Yeah. Sure, such original non-musical MTV shows, such as The Real World, (laughs) singled out, you know, singled out with Jenny McCarthy. I've seen singled out. Yeah, I think I saw it. Road Rules, Daria, great show. I like Daria. And reruns of the cool... Teeny Bopra, uh, uh, Teeny Bopra, my so-called life. I loved that. Gave the network a signature MTV generation identity. But this year, MTV has been returning to its music-focused roots. And chunky MTV Chrome Dome Matt Pinfield, the everyman VJ, is getting more FaceTime. He'll host the Pinfield Suite. 1 to 2 p.m. Monday through Friday. A weekday afternoon video party taped on location in an offbeat assortment of New York City motel and hotel rooms. Pinfield will also hold forth the new weekly Boogaloo Zone, the Matrox, featuring a mix of new rock videos and interviews with various rock and roll personalities. 
In one non-musical addition to the schedule, Austin Stories, MTV's first fully scripted comedy series, sort of friends with a Texas accent, debuts 10.30 on Wednesday. Other rock and roll newcomers to the MTV lineup, MTV Probe, MTV Live, 12 Angry Viewers, in which 12 opinionated viewers get to choose one new video to be added to the following week's MTV playlist. Okay. Interesting. Sounds stupid. Yeah. So that is MTV. MTV's uh, changing things up. What do you think? I don't know. I really liked um, My So-Called Life and, um, you know, Real World's pretty cool. And I feel like... I like Singled Out. It's fun. I don't... I I just like... I mean, yeah, I have music videos, but I don't think they necessarily have to add like a ton more music bullshit, which it sounds like is what they're doing. I'm not... Big fan of Matt Pinfield. Yeah, just be, yeah, just because it's music stuff doesn't mean I don't know. I think they should not try to you know fix things that are not broken. I agree. More real world. <laughs> Give us another season of my so-called life. How about that? Yeah, yeah. What the Dicks. fuck's wrong with you? This oh, this Texas flavored friend show. Who gives a <laughs> fuck about that? Was it want, called Austin something? Yeah, I want more Claire Danes. Yeah. And Jared do. Leto. Jared Leto. Yeah. French for the toe. You're so weird. What? You're just weird. Speaking of weird, Carol. Yeah. Before we get into the movie. Which was very weird. That we saw today. I've got some weird people looking for love. Ooh. It's massive love, Carol. Yay. My favorite. Sharp, successful, sensual, suave, single white male, 30, spontaneous and smiling, seek striking, shapely, sweet, stylish woman. See you soon. What do you think about this? Too too much alliteration. Alliteration. I did not like it. I think he's a giant dork. It sounds like a Dr. Seuss ad. Well, and I mean, I don't know, when people build themselves up that much it makes me like not like them because then they just sound con- conceited it's dumb too because like sharp successful sensual suave suave and sharp basically the same thing single white male 30 spontaneous and smiling i mean it doesn't really tell us anything other than that the guy likes to make stupid poetry or whatever like right. I'm sure he just picked adjectives that start with S. It's not like he was trying to really express who he is. Absolutely. And if who he is is a guy who writes that, I'm not interested. I agree. How about this? This is under the heading Faithful Finder. Okay. Divorced white male, 39, 5'11", 150 pounds. This is a thin fucking dude. Looking for life mate, preferably petite and faithful. 18 to 30. That is a huge age range. Yeah, and he's 39. So he's willing willing to settle down with an 18-year-old, I guess. But that's somebody that's been burned before, right? Yeah. 18 to 30, and he's 39. Wow, he's kind of a lech. I don't like it. (laughs) What do you think of 5'11", 150 pounds? Yeah, he's too skinny. He's a bone. That just was dirty. Okay. But no, he sounds like someone that's been burned in the past by Mm -hmm. a cheater. For sure. 
Yeah, I mean, like, why else are you going to be, like, faithful? Like, I mean, I think most people start out the relationship thinking it's going to be a faithful relationship. You would think so, yeah. Uh, How about this one? Speaking of faithful, attractive, curious, black female, 20, engaged, seeking same to explore with, must be discreet. What? You're seeking another engage. They have to be engaged. They can't be married or single. They have to be engaged. Correct. They have to be engaged. And you're curious, like what, like bi curious? Is that I what would we're assume? Yeah. I mean, like they're I- also looking for another black female who's right. twenty. She's looking to fuck a mirror. <laughs> yeah, I don't like it. <laughs> but she's engaged. Yeah, and okay. she's. I mean, it'd be one thing if she was inviting the person to join them, but it sounds like she just wants no. to, you know. No, she's being selfish. Yeah. She wants it all for herself. <laughs> Another 20-year-old black female who's also engaged. She wants to ruin two marriages. I wonder if she means that or if she just worded it really poorly. I don't know. Because that's so specific. It is weird. very specific. Speaking of specific, Carol. Hmm. Curious black female. Another bisexual. Okay. 18. So, sorry. So, a child. She okay. doesn't She doesn't uh, fit the criteria. She's not 20. Seeking black female, 18 to 21, who is very clean, freaky, and feminine. Okay. Very clean and freaky just do not mix together. Exactly. And feminine. Yeah, I mean, anyone can be feminine. but I guess, but, like, when you're picturing somebody being freaky, that's not usually a feminine kind of freaky. Mm, yeah, I guess that's true. Oh. Uh, By curious freaky girl. I'm I'm really, I want to know what she's envisioning when she's writing yeah. this. Yeah, what, is, what do you mean by freaky, ma'am? <laughs> and very clean. Like, not just clean, very clean. Peroxided. Like, they shower twice a day, like... Sometimes. The first layer of their skin is stripped away. Right? How about this one, Carol? Test your commitment! Exclamation point. Go on a date with me! Brown-skinned, single, black male, 27, student, independent, loves movies, jazz, quality time, seeks same in single female, race age open. What does that mean, test your commitments? I, I don't know. Is he going to play a game with them? Mm, maybe. Is he going to uh, threaten their lives and stuff like that? Oh, you'd have to be crazy to do that stuff. Well, that would be Michael Douglas in this week's movie. The game. The game. It was so weird. I don't. Yeah. Know, I. I don't know. What do you? Did you like it? I don't even know if I liked it. I think I liked it. <laughs> it's hard to say. Hard to say if I liked it or not. This movie is so weird. Like, okay, it's about a guy who's, like, a, you know, high billionaire. High billionaire? Well, like, you know, he's, like, more... He's a billionaire that's uh, high on drugs? I said millionaire. Oh, a high millionaire. Yeah, he's got $600 million. Oh, I believe they call that a (laughs) multi-millionaire. A high millionaire. Somebody with $2 million is not in the same ballpark as somebody with $600 million, Uh, but they're... Both multimillionaires. A high millionaire is someone who is rich but lives in Colorado. <laughs> They're high in a mountain and drugs. So this dude 
was born rich, obviously. Michael Douglas. Yeah, obviously he was. And the movie starts Michael out. Michael Douglas was born rich, too. Is this a veiled story of his life? You think? I don't think. I mean, his dad didn't kill himself, so. <laughs> no, Kurt Douglas is still alive. Please don't end up spitting on our equipment. <laughs> yeah, Kurt Douglas is still with us. Thank God. No, so like it's the the beginning of the movie was really weird and freaky. Like he's like remembering being a kid and a birthday party with clowns that looked like the stuff of nightmares. Yeah. And then was it like the same day that his dad killed himself? Like I don't know. I mean, if you saw clowns like that, you'd probably kill yourself too. <laughs> but he sees his dad jump off the roof of their house and kill himself. I believe his dad Killed himself on his son's birthday. Yeah. It's awful. Happy birthday, son. So, of course, he's fucked up. Who wouldn't be? And and it shows, too, that he had, like, a baby brother at the time. So his little brother probably doesn't even remember their dad. No. But then he a was... A little Sean Penn. Yeah. That was weird to see Sean Penn with uh, Michael Douglas. Um, <laughs> what? Because they're the same person? It's like seeing Clark Kent and Superman together? I don't know. What are you talking about? I don't know. It just seemed like a weird pairing. Because they've never been in a movie together? Yeah, I guess. It'd be like if Michael Douglas started in a movie with Jim Carrey. No, that would be even weirder. That would be something. But this guy's all like rich and uptight and grumpy and, you know, whatever. He's an asshole. Yeah. Well, you know, it demonstrates that in the beginning of the movie, in that bathroom scene, I think it demonstrates how he doesn't care about anyone. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because some dude is in the bathroom stall asking for toilet paper, and he just, like, stands there and then just walks out and leaves him and does an album. He's reaching his hand out underneath the door. He's like, a little help, please. He sounded so desperate. Well, you probably had a big mess in there to clean up. (laughs) It was, yeah, like, who, wouldn't you give the man some toilet paper? Like, I don't think anybody would just ignore that. I mean, I blurted out in the in the theater, what an asshole when he <laughs> left. Yeah. It was no good. So, his brother is a weirdo. And Conrad. he... Yeah, he called... Yeah, Conrad. And he calls and says that he wants uh, to have lunch with him. Mm-hmm. But he says his name is Seymour Butts. Right. Are you Bart Simpson? What is going on? Like, these are adult men. Yeah. Sean, Pay- Sean Penn aged men. But they, they go out for lunch and he gives him a present of an experience. That's all you really know. Yeah. And he's supposed to, like, call the number on the card. But he goes there. CRS. Yeah. Can't. Oh. Can't remember shit. No. Wow, that's your uh, your company. <laughs> it would it would definitely fit. Creative recreational services. Yeah. So it's so weird. He goes there and they have him do psychological testing and get a physical and all this stuff and he answers all these questions about his financials and stuff. I don't understand. Like I w- I don't think I would have stayed and done it. Like. I would have been like, eh, it seems like too much work. It seemed like a lot. It was a lot, but I think they I think they introduced it a little bit at a time. Right. Like it was like, oh, you just have to file this paper. You just have to, you know, fill out this form. And I was like, okay, now we're gonna do this. Right. <laughs> now we're gonna do this. And like like I said, when we we're talking right afterwards, it's kinda like the the sunk cost fallacy 
where it's like he's already invested. By the time you're on like the third or fourth thing, he's like he's invested all this time in it. He's like really wants to see it through to the end. Right, that makes sense. So I can see how it might work. But he doesn't know. They said, you know, it's it's a game. And he doesn't know what it is or when it will start. Yeah, they don't explain it. It's just going to start whenever. We're not telling you what it is. Blah, blah, blah. Yeah. And then later, like after he goes there, he hears a couple guys in, in the bar, new members to the club, talking about the game. Yeah, so then he's like, he buys some drinks and he's asking about it. And they're like, oh, I wish I could go back and experience it from the first time again. Right, this game's so fucking awesome. And then... It's like the running man. All this fucked up shit happens. Yes. A lot of fucked up shit. Yes. The first thing is there's a clown. Like a fake, you know, clown, not a real clown. (laughs) They murder a clown. (laughs) Laying on the ground in front of his house, like, where his dad's body was. Yeah, I didn't really pick up on that, but yes. So, I mean, what a way to start things out. Let's come... Oh, and and he got a call saying he was rejected, that they they didn't accept his application. Yeah, I don't know. Why? 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 To, to, uh, like, to not loosen him up, but to first to be off guard, I guess. Maybe, or so that he wouldn't automatically assume that whatever weird thing was happening was the game. But they do say it. They because they immediately contradict themselves. I thought it was the weirdest thing in the world. Yeah, he gets that phone call. He's like, "Oh, sorry, you're rejecting." He's like, "Wait, what?" And then he comes back from his trip, finds that clown, and then he brings it into the house for whatever reason. Yeah, I don't think I would have brought that inside, inside the clown's <laughs> I would, mouth. I would have gone in the fire pit, right? <laughs> Inside the clown's mouth is a key, which says CRS on it. And then his TV starts talking to him. Yeah. And, like, I would have thought I was losing my mind. You know, I mean, that's, like, classic schizophrenia symptom. I thought maybe he was <laughs> losing his mind. Yeah. I thought the twist of this was going to be he was going insane, actually. Yeah. Uh, definitely a valid theory. But he... The thing... and. I'm confused. Is this a real anchor? Because presumably he watches the news every night. Mm-hmm. And wouldn't he recognize that guy? Like, was that really the anchor? Like, did they hire the anchor to do that? I don't know. They got everybody in on this bullshit. But anyway, so he starts talking to him about the game. And he's like, you know, here's a phone number. If you ever want to quit the game, you can call his phone number. By the way, he never attempted to call the phone yeah, number. Yeah, that's weird. Like, why even throw that out there? What are you looking at? I don't know. What were you looking at? A ghost. Like, I thought maybe you saw a spider above my head or something. Okay, so I don't know how you how you saw my eyes. and Because interpret- I'm looking at you? Can I finish what I'm saying? <laughs> I don't know how you saw my eyes and interpreted that look meant spider, <laughs> but there's a, a fan going above our heads, and the curtain is very slightly pulled back. I saw the light reflected in the mirror, and at the angle that I was at, it looked very briefly like a thin spider web that was coming down right above your shoulder. Oh, God. And I looked up to the, like, because the fan's going too, so it kind of looked almost like it was moving. 
So I looked up to see if that was what was happening, but it's just that sliver of light just happened to look like that. So I don't know how you looked at my eyes and you were like, oh, he sees a spider. Well, that's what I thought, <laughs> but it wasn't true. Be- you just I- know my spider face now? <laughs> I guess so. <laughs> just the right mix of, you know, horror and intrigue. <laughs> uh. So anyway, the, the guy's like, hey, this is the game. So and it's immediately after they tell him he's rejected. Yeah, so I don't I don't understand why. I mean, like maybe to make him feel insecure somehow, but uh, yeah, it was weird. Anyway, so uh, he's got this key, and they're like, "There'll be many other keys." There really weren't. No, there were not. There was a couple. They set a bunch of stuff up that didn't really make any sense. Yeah. I wonder if there was more movie that got cut out that would have, you know, recalled some of those things. Yeah, maybe. I mean, like, they had the key to the hotel room. Mm -hmm. And I guess you could look at the window crank as a key to get out of the car. I suppose, yeah. And then there was the glove box full of keys. But that was like a red herring. And the one key he got in the beginning that he thought might open his briefcase didn't, and I don't think he ever used it to open anything. It worked the elevator. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. It's funny how, like, he solved all these puzzles, like, immediately. Like, I, so many people, I think, playing this game would just fail and die. Oh, yeah. Or, or whatever. Yeah, I don't know how they... Okay, so, like, one of the things that happens... It, it caught, like... So, spoilers, obviously, for the movie. If you haven't watched the movie, go watch the movie, then listen to the rest of this. But basically, I think Sean Penn has to be like God in order (laughs) to predict all these different things happening in just the exact right order and way. Yeah, I don't, I mean, like, I don't think this movie is in any way realistic. No. But, like, one of the things that happens is at one point, he gets into a cab, he's locked in the back of this cab. Right. And the cabbie just, like, I don't know, sticks something on the gas and rolls out of the car. First of all, that car was moving at a decent speed. That cabbie would have been very, very injured. Oh, I would think so, yeah. So I don't know how much money they paid him. I hope it was worth it. Right. The car goes into the lake. And he's locked back there. San and, Francisco Bay. And, like, lucky for him, he happens to be carrying around this crank. Like, I don't know that I would have had it with me. He got it in a fucking briefcase or something like that. Yeah. And he he just had it in his, his jacket pocket and had the presence of mind to figure out to use it to open that window. Yeah. Like, other people might have just been freaking out and never got out and died because they wouldn't even occur to them because they'd just go into panic mode. Right. It doesn't make a lot of sense. A lot of stuff has to go right. Yeah. And then what was the other? There was another time they tried to kill him. Trying to get him a couple different ways, but yeah, they. Uh, well, I mean, they had him jump off a fucking apartment building into well, trash. Yeah, and then that could have gone wrong in several ways. Oh yeah, he could have misjudged his jump. And then they drug him at one point and take him to Mexico and leave him bare in a mausoleum in a in a like wooden coffin or something like that. I thought he was in an attic. Yeah, like how. But- how do they know that somebody wasn't going to kill him? He also almost gets carjacked at one point in the in the yeah. movie, 
And it's like, was that a real carjacking or was that set up by them? I think that might have been real just by the way the guy reacted because he's trying to carjack him and he just picks up the gun and points it at the guy and says, I'm very fragile right now. (laughs) It was awesome. (laughs) It reminds me of something that happened to me, kind of. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, you should tell that story. I don't know if I can tell that story. (laughs) We were on a trip, Carol and I, somewhere. And uh, we were in, I think, Kentucky or Tennessee. Yeah, we were in Kentucky. Kentucky. And we had, uh, well, I had a uh, good amount of cash in my wallet for this trip. Told him to get traveler's checks. And somebody obviously saw that when we were at a hotel eating breakfast. And it wasn't like a scummy hotel. No. It was like, you know, your average run-of-the-mill hotel. Yeah, but I mean, somebody might have been like targeting thinking that people would have money because they're traveling and stuff like that. So I went into the bathroom, uh, you know, before we left, and I leave the bathroom, and there's a guy, the stall, and there's a guy standing there with a knife. And uh, I said something to to the tune of, uh, if you don't think that I'll kill you over this money, then you are badly mistaken. And then he just turned around and ran away. <laughs> You're so lucky that he was so, so like scared or whatever. Like, cause I mean, you didn't have it a weapon. No, he was kind of shaking a little bit too. So it looked like, you know, that this was probably his first time or whatever. Yeah. Well, that's just like I, I had heard a story from somebody else who like caught the robber that was burglarizing their house. They were hiding in the closet. <laughs> and it was like a teenage boy who was scared out of his mind and just like, please, just let me go. Please don't call the police. And it's like, right. you know, yeah, I think a lot of times people are just really scared when they're doing stuff like that. Yeah, it makes sense. Yeah. But I'm really glad that it worked out. For and, Michael Douglas, too. Yeah. yeah. So, um yeah, the, the, there was just a million things. And he had this waitress that he ran into, and she spilled drinks on him. And then, like, how did they know he's going to follow her? That doesn't Because seem... they left a note that said, Oh, don't, don't let, let her, her get away. away. Yeah. So he was like, oh, she's part of this. And I'm sure she was taking her time. Yeah. Too, like, leaving, you know, because she's supposed to be followed. Right. It turns out she's working for them, too. Everybody was working for them in the whole movie. Everybody. I don't think there's anybody in this movie that wasn't at least aware of what was going on. Right, exactly. Except for the, the lawyer. I think the lawyer was in on it. No, because the lawyer was like, I have no idea what's going on. When they're at the party at the end, he's like, I have no idea what the fuck's going on, but, you know, nice entrance or whatever. Oh, yeah, you have excellent taste in champagne. Yeah, yeah that's what he says. <laughs> but so, it turns out... Long story short, all the crazy things that happen in this movie are all part of the game. And I don't think CRS even exists. I think Sean Penn just set all this up. No, I think that it does exist. Because, like, the lady, the waitress lady, when she was leaving at the end, she was going to do another job. In I thought just, like, as an actress. I don't know. But maybe they did. Somebody did say this was our best one yet. Yeah. And like when he asked her, like, how many times have you done this? And she's like, lots. Like, I think that was true. But the the 
the two guys that were talking about the game are at that party too. So like their actors, like almost everyone we see in the entire movie is it's it's like the rap party for the fucking movie. Right. It's like <laughs> everyone that was in the movie is there. Yeah. And they're all so like what happens is there he he makes one of the guys uh take him to how did they play that commercial at the exact right time? Hmm? How did they play so one thing that leads him to the end of the movie he goes and sees his ex, which I don't know how they knew that was going to happen. Because they obviously know everything he's ever going to think, do, or say based on the test that they gave him in the beginning of the right. movie. Asks to borrow her car. She's like, okay. They're at a diner eating. And on the, the, the TV at the diner, a commercial comes on with the fucking guy that signed him up for the test. Seinfeld's own whatever his name is. He was on an episode of Seinfeld. Um, but he's one of those, that guys, he's a character actor mm-hmm. and he's on the TV in a commercial. Did they plan that? Did they plan that commercial to run at that exact time? They knew he was going to look up at the TV at that I time. I don't know. It's yeah. I mean, so he like, tracks him fuck? down at the zoo with his fucking family. Like I thought that was for real. Holds him at gunpoint, makes him take him to the thing. No, cause they had everything planned. They took him to the exact building that they wanted him to be. Yeah. So, they take him there. All the people are there and everything. He finds that waitress who drugged him and took him to Mexico. How long was he? Dr- How powerful a fucking sedative they gave him? Right? I mean, they're lucky that didn't kill him. And, you know, drugging somebody, that can always go wrong. Yes, absolutely. So, anyway, he leads her up to the roof. Don't know how they knew he was going to lead her there. Leads her up to the roof. And it's like, hey, you know, I'll fucking kill you or whatever. And she's like, hey, uh, that's not an automatic. And he's like, what are you talking about? The gun he's holding. And she said, the guard had an automatic gun. Where'd you get that gun? And he's, she's like, that's a real gun. He's like, yeah, it's for my house. And she's like, but we searched the house. Well, you missed this fucking gun, didn't you? <laughs> and she's getting on the walkie-talkie. She's like, he's got a real gun. This is uh, not a joke anymore. And she's like, look, it's all part of your party. Sean Penn's being... The actor Sean Penn's behind the door. Conrad. With your brother. <laughs> and, you know, like this is, it's all part of the, the experience. So you need to stop. And they open the door and he shoots and he shoots his brother right yeah. in the chest. And he thinks he killed his brother. So then he goes to the edge of the thing, jumps off the fucking roof like his dad did, killed himself flies through the glass and into this giant fucking billowy cushion or whatever in the middle of this giant birthday party for him because that was all still part of the game and Sean Penn's fine and they were all blanks or whatever and then that's his birthday party and afterwards when he gets out they've they've checked him they made sure he's okay and everything Sean Penn was like, I had to do something. You were becoming such an asshole. (laughs) And it's like, God, you really have to fucking hate someone. You have to be rich and fucking think someone is a worthless piece of shit to put them through all this. I mean, this is severe life-changing experiences. But I mean, I bet it works. Like, I bet he is a nicer person because he experienced having nothing. I guess. He experienced... 
having nothing. Like that guy wanted toilet paper and he wouldn't even bother to give it to him. Yeah. And then he had to go into a diner and ask for a ride. Like I've got eighteen dollars and eighty six cents. Right. Can somebody give me a ride? You He's, know he had to give that trucker a blowjob too, <laughs> in order to fucking get to San Francisco. And I it's mean, the rules of the road. Even before that, he was like hitchhiking. Like yeah, I mean, like he went through stuff that would definitely change him. Yeah, but I mean, how do you do that and not come out pissed? Yeah, that I don't know. And how did they know, okay, even if they knew, even if they magically knew he's going to jump off the roof, how do they know exactly where? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, it had to be precisely at that spot, and there's no way they could know. And his fucking dad killed himself in the same way. Like, it's though that whole thing's fucked up. Well, I mean, because, like, remember in the very beginning of the game, there was something that said, like, I'm, you know, walking in the shadow of my dad or something like, you know, I'll take my life the same way or something like that. I don't remember. And then later he's talking to the maid and he's like, oh, I think there's a lot of my dad in me. And she's like, I don't think much or whatever. Right. Yeah. So I think and he turned 48, which is how old his dad was when he killed himself. So I think they were kind of maybe anticipating this, and, and maybe it saved his life because he was dealing with all that, and maybe he would have killed himself, but this way yeah, he maybe. did it without doing it. Right. Yeah, I don't know. But, I mean, how much money would that... I mean, it would be so much money for that kind of thing. It had to be millions. Oh, I'm sure. Well, and his brother and him, then he's like, I'll split it with you. And it's like, oh, my gosh. Like, yeah, thank God. If it can make a, a guy with $600 million wince, that's got to be a big bill. Yeah. Yeah, no shit. But it would have to be because they, they had so many people in on it. And the risk that they're taking, because if he did die, they would be responsible. Yeah. Yeah, at one point, he was he's talking to the police, which were probably also paid actors, and he was like... Yeah, you get them for attempted murder or whatever. And they were like, well, I mean, technically you hired them. It's like, yeah, that doesn't matter. Yeah. You can hire somebody to kill you and they still would be in trouble. Correct. Oh, my gosh. But, yeah, I the movie, so the movie worked for me atmospherically for mm-hmm. sure. Script-wise, like nuts and bolts-wise, I'm not sure that I was 100% because of, like, I mean, like we're talking about, like all the the weird coincidences and stuff like that. I don't know if it, if nuts and bolts wise it works for me, really, when you get into the minutia of it. Right. But on a macro scale, the movie gave me like an uncomfortable feeling throughout the whole movie. Emotionally, I think it works because a lot of the side parts, like uh, you, know, Fincher's obviously a good director. David Fincher directed this. And there's some, like, throughout, when once the game starts, even before we as an audience, well, Michael Douglas knows that the game has started. Once the game starts, for a lot of the soundtrack, there's like a weird discord, I don't know if you noticed it, but there's a weird discordant kind of hum hmm. underneath the soundtrack that's going on. Where it's just like, like that. And it's, it causes this like unsettling feeling. Interesting. And, you know, that, it, that works a lot uh, atmospherically. The cinematography, I think, works a lot atmospherically to create like a, you know, a, a discordant feeling. So a lot of that works really well on an emotional level. 
and a lot of the shots and the compositing work the same way. Uh, like through a lot of different things, the way it's framed, it looks, it's very claustrophobic. You, like two subjects are close in, you know, in frame and it just, it feels like there's nowhere to run kind of. But like I said, the actual what's happening in the movie, I don't know if that works as well for me Yeah, as the, the other stuff. Yeah. I mean, it's all weird i don't like also the way that it ended like the very end of it where he's like trying to hook up with the actress yeah she's like you don't know anything about me because you know my entire persona was made up right and he's like yeah that's true and that's basically it like she's like you want to have a cup of coffee with me at the airport and that's the end of the fucking movie she's going to australia like no just no there was no, there was no need for that. It would have been better for him to be hanging out with his brother at the party, yeah. than going after her. And she kisses, uh, or he kisses uh, his ex-wife on the lips. Yeah, well, she did, she kissed new, him in front of her new husband and their baby. Yeah, and she's pregnant. That's weird. Yeah, I didn't think that was very, very nice. I mean, it didn't seem like a sexual kiss. It seemed like an affectionate kiss. But I guess they shared a moment in that thing before he started flipping out. Yeah, that's true. Where he basically apologized. And I guess that shows how he's changing too. He's, he apologized for shutting her out and like being emotionally absent in their marriage mm-hmm. and stuff like that. He's like, I realize why you left me now. So he's like, he is changing, mm-hmm. which I guess is good. I mean, in in the world of this movie, it all worked perfectly exactly the way it was supposed to. I don't think that it's in any way a realistic thing and you couldn't get away with it in real life. So when do we do this to Bill Gates? <laughs> Right? He's the only one that could afford it. <laughs> Him and Warren Buffett. Yeah, but he's not, he's not going to pay for it. No. He's not an idiot. Does he need it? I don't know. Does he? I think he does a lot of charity and stuff, so he's so, probably... probably yeah. okay, I, think you'd, I think if you were in a bathroom and you really needed toilet paper, I think, <laughs> I think Bill Gates would grab you a roll of toilet paper. <laughs> Who knows? I would, I would like to think so. <laughs> But anyway, that is the episode for the week. Uh, would you recommend the movie? Yeah. Yeah, it was worth watching. It's weird and, I don't know, just really weird. Yeah, it's the dude, this dude did uh, Seven. We, we did that movie. Yeah. Fincher, he directed Seven. It's not, it's not as good as Seven. So he just does, like, big things, though, it seems like. Because this was a big thing, too. I don't know what you mean by big things. Like, seven. Seven's, like, a A really, lot of things like, that happened? Engrossing, you know, movie. Thrillers. I mean, they're, they're both thrillers, I would say. Yeah. There you go. Uh, but, yeah. Um, it's not as good as that. But it is... I think it's... I think there's enough there. And, obviously, Sean Penn and Michael Douglas are... Very good actors, great yeah. actors, so... Yeah. Yeah, I think I'd recommend it. Not wholeheartedly but you know half-heartedly recommended <laughs> if you're looking for something fun it's worth there are a watch. lot of worse movies out there right but yeah that is the episode for the week here i'll tell people so you can write us at late fee 1994 at awl.com mm-hmm. check out our website at www.retrolatefee.com yes and tell your friends all right we'll see you next time bye bye